This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question, what is the ultimate prize? We're asking today's big question to Nicola McDermott. Nicola is an Australian high jumper who holds the Australian and Oceanian records with a personal best two metre jump on April 18, 2021. She's the only Australian woman to have ever jumped two metres and she joins me now. Nicola, welcome to Bigger Questions. Hi Robert, thanks for having me. That's great to have you. Now Nicola, congratulations, you hold the Australian record and are the only Australian woman to have ever jumped two metres. So what was it like soaring over that bar when you broke the record? Yeah, well, it's taken 16 years of training, so I'm quite used to jumping now. Uh, but for that particular day, it was yeah incredible because it's not just the personal best, it's the big barrier of that two-meter jump. So to be able to do it with my family and friends there, it was a magical day, really. So when you took off on that jump, did you think that you were going to get it? Were you thinking you're nailing this one? Yeah, 100%. I already knew before I started my run-up, I like looked at the bar and went, oh, you've got this, because I got it on my second attempt. And for my first attempt, um, I just missed it. And I knew exactly what I needed to do. And my coach and I looked at each other and we just we just knew that I was going to get it. So uh, there's videos of me close up and I'm just laughing and smiling because I knew I was going to get it. Uh, wow. And then it just, and then I was able to enjoy the jump rather than try and push or um exert my body over the bar. I already knew I had it so I could just repeat the jump like I've done a thousand times in my head and this time um, it was in reality and I got over it. Fantastic. So you didn't think as you were coming in, Ashley, let's put it up a couple of centimetres. I reckon I can really nail this one. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the thing. As soon as I got off the bag, I was excited, of course, but in my head was, oh, no, there's, there's clearance there. You, you, need, to, you need to jump <laughs> Um, you could get to 209 you reckon you could get to the world record i think so it'll just might might take a bit longer than um than this year but um good things take time so i'm not afraid to try and give it a crack fantastic well congratulations nicola it's a wonderful achievement and it's wonderful to be able to talk to you today a bit about your journey and a bit about high jumping uh, because you are a high jumper now do you often get jokes about you know walking into a bar or always raising the bar and stuff is is that sort of jokes that people make with you uh the newspaper loves doing that they're like <laughs> the bar has been every single like journal article <laughs> for, for okay. kids so. <laughs> so do you get a bit sick of that do you oh no it's just like oh they've done that again like i just get excited when somebody finds a new pun to use um my last name okay use it but uh yeah it's it's still fun <laughs> Okay, what, what's the what's the the latest one? Oh, like soaring to new heights, that type of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm still yet to find one where I go, wow, that was a great pun. Um, so <laughs> the um, you know it, the the doors open for you to find a good pun. <laughs> well, I'm not going to attempt to try to find any new ones here today. Um, but to, to kick off bigger questions, Nicola, we do like to ask uh, some smaller questions just to get us thinking. So, Nicola, our smaller question to you today is about the ultimate prize for athletes. Okay, there's just one question and it's multiple choice. Now, American Olympic gold medal winning gymnast Mary Lou Retton once described something which was the ultimate test of the worth of athletes. So what was it? Now, something which was the ultimate test of the worth of athletes. Was it A, the size of their sponsorship deals? 
Was it B, the number of titles they'd won? Was it C, the Olympics? Or was it D, appearing as a guest quiz master on the TV show, Have You Been Paying Attention? So which of those is the ultimate test of the worth of athletes, according to Mary Lou Retton? Um, maybe B. B, the number of titles. Or what about the Olympics, do you think, perhaps, C? Would you want to go with C? Um, yeah, look, we, we can go C. Um. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay. Well, C's a, C's a better one to go with because that's actually the right answer. Because okay. Mary Lou Retton has been quoted as saying, for athletes, the Olympics are the ultimate test of their worth. Yeah. Um, now, um, you actually did appear as a guest quiz master on the Channel 10 TV show, Have You Been Paying Attention? So you don't think that was the ultimate test of athletes appearing before a bunch of comedians on national TV? Um, yeah, not, not, not a test. Uh, it, it was like going through fire, um, but <laughs> uh, I, I come out the other side. So it didn't take 16 years to for <laughs> that one. <laughs> Well, you, you almost got one our smaller question right today, Nicholas. And if we did have a live audience, we'd give you an applause anyway. So, uh, so yeah, I think the Olympics is the uh, the ultimate test of worth for athletes. That's what Mary Lou Retton has said. So, then maybe reflecting on that, just how important are the Olympics to elite athletes? Yeah, well, even as you were, yeah, you've you sort of painted it with that multiple choice question. I'm like, oh, I haven't studied for this, but um, <laughs> I, I think with the Olympics is what makes it really important for, for us is not only being able to perform or be the best in the world, but be the best in the world when it counts. For an example, in an Olympics, anything can happen. Somebody that's ranked 30th can somehow get a gold medal. And mm. then for the next, well, usually for the next four years, for us it'll be three years, um, you get to have that title. And regardless of uh, how well you perform for all the other competitions, you have that. And within Olympics, um, you know, if I was a world champion, let's say, uh, in the World Athletics Championships, only a small number of percentage of people know really what that means. Um, mm. But for an Olympics, it's, it's cross-cultural. It's for pretty much since the beginning of when the Olympics was thousands of years ago, people know what that, that means and can aspire to. Nobody just becomes an Olympian. So, yeah, mm. I think there's, there's a lot of respect and um, that honour that goes and that's attached to the Olympics. So I can, mm. I can see where um, the quote was coming from, where that worth of an athlete comes from the Olympics. Yeah. So the, there is a sense that they're different than to other sporting titles. You've mentioned the World Championships as well because Australian boxer Jeff Fennick once claimed that an Olympic medal is the greatest achievement and honour that can be received by an athlete. And he said that he would swap any world title to have won gold at the Olympics. So is this in some sense then the ultimate sporting prize for an athlete? Yeah, well, it's um, it's interesting when it's painted like that. And I, I suppose you, the Olympics is really important because you can't just rock up w once a year. It's It, it requires, um, you know, decades of work to be able to get that gold medal. And there's nothing quite like it really for that Olympics because everyone knows when your whole nation is watching, the whole world is watching, um, that that medal means a lot. It's not just about you. It's 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 more than you. Mm, yeah. So you just mentioned that it takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication, and you mentioned it stayed in 16 years, your Australian national record in the making. So can you tell us a bit about what your training looks like? I take it you just don't you know jump fences and run around the block. Uh, so what is involved in your training to achieve the heights that you achieve? Yeah, well, every high jump is different. So that's the fun part of it. Whatever gets you over the bar. But 
for me personally, half of my training is actually in a gym and we do a lot of Olympic lifting. So lifting heavy weights above my head and getting power and we measure the velocity of my lifts because it can't just be strong, it needs to be fast and strong. And then we do this thing called plyometrics, which is jumping over stuff. So similar, like if there was fences, I'd be jumping over them. And you hop, that's <laughs> why I hop on the grass, the track, the sand, stairs, pretty much um, I'm always jumping and training my body up and then running. I, I do a lot of running to be able to uh, – yeah, be able to, to have a really good technique leading up into the bar because it's not just the jump, it's the run into the jump. So um, that that requires six days um, nonstop training really to, to get that level. And the fun fact is I only do high jump once a week maximum. Um, the actual jumping itself. The actual jumping itself because it requires all this other training in order to get to a shape to be able to jump. And then I only jump a few few months of the year and then the rest of it's back into training. Um, because the amount of load that goes through the body when you do jump is extremely hard um, and really high risk for injury. So it's mm. basically just building the motor and building the car and only racing it um, occasionally. <laughs> so then how are you feeling about the Olympic Games? Do you think you can get a medal? You can beat your PB again? Yeah, well, that's what we're training for. So two metres has been a medal jump. Um, pretty much since stay dot with the Olympics. So uh, I know if I'm jumping over two metres and getting a personal best, it's going to look very promising for a medal. So I'm doing the best of what I can control and then trusting it'll be enough to be on the podium. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking forward to going to the Olympic Games? Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I, I love jumping and I just love um, being in an environment to be able to perform and uh, reaching athletes and representing Australia. So all of that combined in a beautiful package called the Olympics. I think that's um, that's just a dream. It's wonderful. Well, we wish you all the best in your time on the Olympic Games. But maybe stepping back to understand your journey, so to speak, uh, what got you into high jump? Yeah, well, um, the fun fact is, so I'm six foot two, so like 186 centimetres, maybe that's six foot one and a half, whatever it is, it's, it's tall, yeah. but... I was very, very tall for my age. So uh, I was almost six foot by the time I was 12 years old. Uh, wow. As an eight-year-old, um, I was very lanky and not good at any sport. And my, my parents got me into swimming and dancing and tennis and just none, none of that. And they were like, oh, she's probably not going to be an athlete. And then my <laughs> carnival came around in year two when I was seven. And I won pretty much every event. My dad, he just looked at me. He was like vicariously living his sprinter dream to me. <laughs> and he said, yes, I'm an athlete. So we got um, into little athletics. And the next year, so the under nines when I was eight, uh, we got introduced to high jump. And I, I loved um, the, the mental challenge of it. You know, Even as a kid, I was like, oh, this is great. Um, it's a benefit to be tall only a few steps, you land on this mattress and you just like fall over a high jump bar and uh, and there's there's tactics involved. And I just remember being like, this was created for me, but I, I really love this. Uh, and so, yeah, that's where it began and I never left it. Well, fantastic. It's nice to find your dream. So but some people find the mental elements to a sport really intimidating, but you said you really thrive in that. Oh, it's, it's taken me a long time now, but... Um, yeah, the the mental the mental aspect of high jump is just 
you just just you'll always be wrong like that's um that's basically the sport you can invest in it and just always be wrong um, yeah. always something to work on so if um if your value and your worth was it how good you are um in your sport then high jump's not the one for you because you'll just be told all the time <laughs> you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong and there was a love for it because i knew i was gifted in it and mm. i knew i had the potential to reach it so i sort of yeah. had to overcome all of that in order to be jumping high <laughs> And you set yourself some pretty ambitious goals, didn't you, when you were younger? Yeah. Um, so at eight years old, pretty much the first few times I did the jumps, um, we were talking at Little Athletics and I found out that the Australian record was 1 metre 98 and the world record was 209. And I just said, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump two metres then. Uh, it just seemed like this really um, this barrier that we hadn't been able to do and um, – yeah, it was almost like a calling even as an eight-year-old. I went, yep, all right, I'm going to be that person and just started training for it. So um, to to have that that dream that I had as a kid and full circle that, you know, I've already achieved that and there's still a lot longer in the sport, so why not keep going? And you, when you broke the Australian high jump record, you thanked all those who helped you, your family, your sponsors, your coaches and everyone who helped you. But you said that they were all like beads on a necklace, but it was your faith in God, which was like the string which holds it all together. So maybe can you explain a bit what you mean by that and how does your, your faith in God hold it all together? There's big building blocks in your life and there's big things that you can control and you can't control. Like you can't really control who your family is or um, where you were born or, or what body you were given, but you can you can train it and you can um, put all the pieces, you try and put all the pieces together to form a big goal. And I just saw the big foundation, the building blocks, you know, of my coach, my training, my family, my support team. And then separately, they're all very important. But the thing that puts it all together is, is, is God. Like I, yeah. I can't make my muscles do anything really without God actually directing and forming my muscles to be able to be that strong. And the day of the competition, it was the perfect weather. And even just my own processes of, of being um, confident as I'm jumping or being confident um, to, to push myself to that limit and my reason of why I'm jumping, all of those things were, were rooted in my faith in God because without him, I wouldn't find purpose. Like, what's the point of jumping over a bar? So you find your faith in God helps you uh, give a deeper purpose to life? Yeah, definitely. I was trying to find an analogy that sort of really explained what it's like as an athlete uh, that that really has a faith in God and wants to display it to the world. And um, That's the string that holds everything together because mm. a necklace, like a, a necklace is a necklace regardless of what's put on it. You could have no beads in a necklace and it's still a necklace. Like mm. I, I could, I could have... A, a terrible preparation into a competition and um, my community falls apart or uh, my, my body falls apart, but I still have that purpose that remains mm. regardless. If, if everything else was lost, it, uh, it would mm. still be a purpose. It would still be a life. Um, and that's the thing that really is of my foundation and holds me together. So is that then connected to identity? Because identity is a crucial question and issue for elite athletes. I mean, it's often that the your performances uh, is equated with who you are. Hence, you know, the Olympics is seen as the ultimate test of an athlete's worth. So how big of a challenge is identity for elite athletes? 
Yeah, yeah. As soon as we started that, co- the quote is like an athlete's worth. I was like, don't get fired up, Nicola. Just, just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really passionate about that um, because performance-based identity. It's in everybody's life. This this aspect of performance, but athletes really just have it on um, on a new level. Yeah. And as, as an athlete, even I've experienced that if you perform well, you feel good about yourself. And if you mm. don't perform well, your whole perception of who you are gets thrown out the window. And mm. just how wrong that is, really, um, because if your identity is always based on what you do, you'll never have a place of satisfaction because you can't get enough gold medals. You can't get enough mm. world records. You, um, It's always like you're beating against the tide, just trying to... Um, find a place of worth and identity that, you know, I'm I'm finding athletes, their heart's cry is just to be honoured and respected and to be special and to be set apart in, in a certain way that they're good at something. And so they'll train their, their bodies to the point of exhaustion every day just to try and earn that. And mm. you can see how um, athletes, when they retire from sport, their whole purpose in life and uh, we, we've we've seen it unfortunately with a lot of um, Australians as well as international athletes. They they take a turn for the worst because it's like they they don't know what to do anymore. Mm. Um, and I I think it's crucial to have an identity that's not based on performance and not based mm. on what you do because you're going to have such an unstable version of mm. of a life because it'll mm. it'll fluctuate to the point where you don't know what you can stand on anymore. Mm. And you find a sense of identity in your faith in God? Yeah, definitely. I think the big turning point for me was in 2017 when I realised that identity, that aspect of identity uh, was based in performance because the, the way that I viewed myself was, was based all on these numbers. And even having a faith in God, I hadn't really made that transition or that step of putting my identity wholly in who God says I am rather than what I can do, like attached to it. Faith wasn't just something that was attached to me. It became everything. It was it was the ground that I was standing on. And having that identity, I think like the biggest thing I had was the revelation that I am loved from God and I'm lo- like, I'm loved from him. That's, that's greater than anything that I can get. Mm. Um, and that's the love that will continue to to form my identity is I'm a child, mm. I'm not a servant, I'm not an athlete, I'm not, um, you know, regardless yeah. of what I can attach my, uh, my ideas of who I am, rather than a, a career, a role, a, a look, um, a, whatever, yeah. whatever form, it's, it's in Jesus. And that's, most important for me yeah so what then convinced you that the christian faith was few in the first place what convinced you that it was true yeah yeah so um remember how i said i was really lanky and tall as a kid yeah well um that has something to do with it so my parents decided to move me into a christian college uh, in year six not year seven like everyone else year six so i was one of the only kids starting school and I grew up and I was an easy target for bullies because I was so tall. Like you can imagine mm. like a six foot primary school kid. It's, it's like, yeah. it's just not good. I literally haven't changed in the last, like, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. Like I look exactly the same as what I did. Right. Back. 
but just a, a baby face then. It was terrifying. Anyway, um, <laughs> God loved me. My parents loved me, but that's about it. But I remember walking into year six and um, getting ready to, okay, they're going to eat you alive, Nicola, because you're different. So, you know, you're good at sports. I was like giving myself a pep talk. I remember like before I'd walked into the school, I was like, you're smart. You can make friends. Like I would like all the affirmations. I'm like, you're funny. You'll, you'll find someone. You don't know anyone at this school, but like you'll survive. You'll get through the bullies. Like just like you did at your old school, you've got this. And as I walked in, just ready to put up all of these walls and these barriers, people just came towards me and they loved me. And it was this love that, I had never experienced in my life. It, it made no sense. It made me jealous. I was like, how How are these people loving me? Like, I'm an outsider. I'm weird. I know I am. Like, I'm different. Mm. And yet these people are just, they're so welcoming. Um, they're so loving. Even the kids, like, I'm not even talking about teachers. Like, kids in my year were just loving towards me. And I remember sitting down cross-legged. Uh, in the year six classroom and they said like we love because Jesus loves us and mm. it was a convincing moment where I went I don't know who Jesus is but I've just experienced a love that's not of this world so I'm willing to fo follow him wow. and uh, throughout my schooling years and um, getting involved in youth groups and church that's the thing that has has never wavered was that love and just knowing you know I, I was I was young and I was old whatever i was old enough to know that this was something supernatural and wow yeah. and that was very convincing for you mm -hmm. mm. now nicola today's big question is about the ultimate prize and the bible speaks about an ultimate prize uh, in the book of one corinthians written by the apostle paul to the church in the ancient city of corinth he comments on the sacrifices of athletes where he says in uh, chapter 9 verses 24 and 25 do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Now you have this passage on your personal website. Uh, why is this passage so important to you? I get excited when I'm reading the Bible, hands down. So then you see an athlete analogy, like this is excellent um but <laughs> I, was, I was looking at it and went yeah that's all of that training all of the the sacrifice that uh, as an athlete i can really relate to we do it in order to get a prize that lasts forever and it means so much to me because with the olympics if i get the gold medal this year and then i don't get the gold my gold medal is up for grabs in 2024 olympics Mm. Um, it, it doesn't. You got, you got it for three years. I got, you get the title holder for three years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I get the world record one day, it will probably be broken. And it's almost like it, it's, it's up for the taking. Everything in sports and all the glories that comes with it is up for the taking and is only uh, so small. But when I reflect on the prize that we get in heaven, um, that nothing is taken away, that crown of eternal salvation, that that never gets, um, is up for grabs in four years' time. That that remains mm. with us forever. And I think that's, yeah, that, that's the prize that as athletes, that type of determination, that type of purpose and waking up every day and every facet of our lives, you know, I can't, I can't do anything without actually considering, oh, is this going to benefit me for high jump? 
and in the same way um, using all of those types of um, motivations and things and just putting it towards Jesus and going eternal mindset like what's this in light of eternity and having that perspective um, is is yeah is the prize Right, yeah. So, so how does that impact you then? As you obviously you're working very hard as an athlete, then how does this eternal prize? How does that impact you as you, uh, you, you know, you you work hard and you train all the time? Yeah, I think it's remembering that it's for eternity. The things that I do. So when I when I do a competition, regardless of if I jump two meters ten or one meter eighty, um, it's sealed in eternity because I've done it for God. And when I turn up into a stadium or a, or a hotel or a country all over the world, um, I remember it's not me. It's it's not just Nicola that shows up. I'm I'm a vessel. I'm a carrier of God, which means that yeah. His Spirit's in me, and I can impact the nations that I go to because I've got a message that's greater than myself. You've also uh, apparently said that when you're jumping, that you experience in Christ or in the, in this faith in God, that you experience peace and freedom um, when you jump. Do you want to unpack a bit what, what you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, for years, I was scared of the high jump bar. I mean, I'm scared of heights, so that's fun. Um, but <laughs> uh, when you're going towards the bar, you're running at 100% and you're running on a curve. And then rather than slowing down when you see a barrier, you're actually speeding up to jump over it. It is against every mechanism in your brain. Your brain's like, stop, stop. And so so to overcome that, you know, I look at a high jump bar now. And again, there's this peace in God in me because I know I'm not jumping for myself. And I know that in in the victory that I'll get, it's not my own. It's God's victory, and He can use it to impact and change everyone's life. So when I'm jumping now, there's this peace that comes over me and goes, "Yeah, like I'm, I'm willing to put my body and run a hundred percent towards the bar if it's for the gospel." So like yeah. I've, I've, got this, <laughs> I've got this new freedom because I don't have the freedom from performance. I I need to perform in order to get loved. I'm already loved. That's done. And I feel like I've over, already overcome it. And now I just get to train and reach to the point where I I can jump as high as I physically was created to jump. And mm. it's it's a freedom. It's 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 so much fun. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today, Nicola. And we do wish you well in the uh, Olympic Games coming up. So, Nicola, what is the ultimate prize? The ultimate prize is to recognize you're loved by God and to live every day in remembrance of that love and overflow of that love. Mm. Prize that lasts into eternity as well. Exactly. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, what is the ultimate prize from 1 Corinthians 9.25? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Many thanks to our guest today, Nicola McDermott. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.